Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. The readings that we have today are crazy good, aren't they? They're all good. But when you sit in this place for these many days, you get these theology of the body lenses just so clearly dialed in. It's just like, is all of scripture this beautiful? Like these readings are so amazing. I, uh, it's like, a, it's just a smorgasbord. I, I, I'm not going to be able to obviously preach on all of it because we do have to go home at some point, although it is tempting. I mean, at the very end of that first reading, and this is the testimony. God gave us eternal life, and this life is in, in his son. And then, right, you go to the gospel, this longing of all of humanity, this longing of all of humanity since that fateful day in the garden. It happened, is how Mark says it, it happened in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee. It happened. The thing we wanted to have happen that we didn't think we could even hope for it to happen, it happened. Uh, Okay, I'm not preaching on any of that. That's just freebies. (laughs) Little nuggets that... (laughs) Oh, gosh. Every time I've been a chaplain for one of these courses and we come to the final mass, I always feel like it's like that scene... At the end of uh, Return of the King, the speaking of Gandalf, where Gandalf and Frodo and the hobbits are at the shores of the Grey Havens, they're about to get on the boat and they're getting ready to say goodbye. And like, like I always feel like this Gandalf pressure to say something like Ian McKellen, just very profound. Everyone's crying, gotta say something profound. That's already it. That's that's the profundity right there. Everything else, if I say anything good, is gravy. It's been such a beautiful week. It has been such a gift to be with you this week. My brother priest, it's been such a gift to be with you. My brother deacon, it's been such a gift to be with you this week. The graces that we were just hearing last night, it's just, I know it's just the tip of the tip of the iceberg. I know there's graces that, um, like it's okay that, that not everything got shared. It's okay that not everything was put out in the open. There are graces that the Lord has given that are just meant for you to, like Mary, ponder in your heart for the rest of your life. It's one of the astounding things I've realized as a priest that there are moments that the Lord has given um, to me, and because of the context, because of confession, because of spiritual direction, it's like, I can't tell anybody about that. And he's just like, yeah, I know. (laughs) That's just for you. You're like, that would be an amazing thing to shout from the rooftops, to shout from the mountains. It's like, I, you can't. I've waited for eternity to give you this immense grace. So many graces. That seed, right? The living word has come down and it's found fertile soil in us this week. Amazing, amazing. And there's newness growing in your hearts I see it. You, you can feel it. Right? The parallels, right? Grace building on nature. Like 
the two blue lines have showed up, right? There is a spiritual conception that has happened this week. Michael's like, I know, I, yeah. He's craving pickles, I think. I don't know. But as, where's April? Where are you, April? As April, as, as we were talking last night after the sharing of graces, we were talking about the wildness of pregnancy and birth and all the amazing things that goes into that. And we were blowing Gabriel's mind with all of the things that go into that. He will never be the same. <laughs> Beautiful thing that she shared. If you look at a woman's body, it is made to be filled and it's made to be stretched. Right? It's made to be filled and it's made to stretch. And if woman's body is the icon of humanity, we are made to be filled and we are made to be stretched. So to our hearts, made to be filled, made to be stretched. And we are stretched, we are filled and stretched, both when we're in the garden being overwhelmed by grace, bombarded, stuffed to the rafters with glory. That's what we've been experiencing this week. Like, just want to tap and just say, no, I can't take any more, right? Filled and stretched. And we are filled and stretched in the desert, right? It's both places. It's both places. I was so touched. Uh, I think it was yesterday. You know how all the days blur together. When we were going through that reflection of uh, Al Bassetti talking about the, uh, God's pursuit of us, his wooing of us. And I mentioned, I mentioned yesterday how how he talks about every raindrop is part of the seduction. Today, the part that I want to return to is the, uh, the utterly practical that enters in, in the end of that reflection. He's such a good teacher who's clearly, he clearly walked with and worked with so many, so many thousands of hearts in his time as a priest, so many rich young men and women who were eager and zealous and asking the question, what must I do? Like, really, like, what must I do now? I think that's a question I think the Lord wants us to just gently look at. What must I do now that this course is over and I'm getting ready to go home? Now that I've been filled with all of this, filled with this beauty, filled with this knowledge, what must I do now? Now that I've experienced this, Christopher, you were asking just this morning, like, what are we supposed to do with this? What's our response? Because there's a responsibility that's upon us to respond. And I think the Lord told me, you're all supposed to quit your jobs and start TOB nonprofits. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Some of you are like, that felt like a sign. No, 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 just kidding. But maybe, I don't know. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. <laughs> What's Albacete's response? So beautiful. Hang loose. He says, right, hang loose, relax. I love that. There's something of this spirit that I want to press into and draw our attention to with these scriptures. I think the Lord, his perfect timing is giving us some beauty to reflect on as we are preparing to leave. He's wanting, us, he's wanting to remind us that like through the readings and through the feast day that we're celebrating today, just the importance of uh, the little the importance of being before doing and giving us permission to just be good soil for the seed to take root. Those very simple things. Because in the gospel we just heard that Deacon just proclaimed, he just very simply narrates, it happened in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. 
On coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came from the heavens. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. With you, I'm well pleased. I got wrecked yesterday, Christopher, when you shared how the Jordan Valley is the deepest crevice on the face of the earth. And the Lord, the bridegroom, comes to the earth and goes to the deepest place to impregnate those waters, to baptize the waters, so to speak, to plunge himself into the waters of humanity. And earth opens up, right? The earth opens up to receive the bridegroom and the heavens open up to declare glory upon him, right? The father rends the heavens and he speaks directly to his son's heart with an unbelievable affirmation. It's something that if you search your heart, you know I want to hear this, and not just once, over and over and over again. You are my beloved son. That's what the Father says. That's who you are. That's who you are. Somebody needs to write that song, right? (laughs) You are my son. You are my boy, my beloved. And what's more, he says, with you I'm well pleased. I am so proud of you. I so delight in you. You so fill my heart. My heart is moved by you. You cause me to smile. Here's my question. What has Jesus done to, quote unquote, deserve such lavish praise? Yes, I know. I know. As the second person of the Trinity, he has crossed the infinite gulf of time and space to be among us. That's a lot. I get it. But, but imagine, imagine, imagine you're someone who doesn't know the gospel, who doesn't know this story, and you're reading Mark's account for the first time, and you hear the father declare this over his son, and you ask, why, what has he done to deserve that? What miracles has he worked? How many dead people has he raised and brought back to life yet? How many sermons has he preached? How many parables has he told? How many blind people has he restored their sight? Deaf people given back their hearing. How many loaves has he multiplied? How many fish? Has he made 180 gallons of the choicest wine? How many Pharisees has he ticked off? How many tables has he overturned? Just shifting it ever so slightly for us. How many ministries is he in charge of? How many Bible studies has he led? How many converts has he made? How many people has he brought into the church through RCIA? Answer, none. Zero. Zip, zilch, nada. This is Mark chapter one. He hasn't done anything yet. And yet his father rends the heavens and declares, you are my beloved son. With you I'm well pleased. Hold on to that thought for a second. Keep, keep chewing on that. That's your little piece of gum for mass right there. All right, now the feast day that we're celebrating today. Christopher already mentioned a little bit about our, our, our saint for today, St. Andre Bessette. And maybe some of you don't even know, right, who he was. He was only canonized just a few years ago. What did he do? Was he one of those amazing missionaries like Isaac Jogues, Jean de Brebeuf? Was he towering intellect like Thomas Aquinas, Bonaventure? Did he found religious communities, France of Assisi, like Mother Teresa? 
Did he write? Did he compose? Did he paint? Was he a sculptor? Did he have the stigmata? Was he one of those like levitators? <laughs> this is what a biography of him says. Given his frail health and lack of formal education, Brother Andre was assigned as doorkeeper of Notre Dame, Cathedral, Notre Dame College in Montreal. He continued this assignment as a professed brother for nearly his entire life. He greeted visitors and tended to their needs. <laughs> he didn't write any tomes, didn't found any monasteries or communities, he didn't create any hospitals, he didn't cut his way through some jungle to bring the gospel to the natives like in the mission. He simply opened the door and greeted people. <laughs> I find that so challenging. I find that it just so subverts so many deep things in me. He was just kind and he was loving. He prayed with people and eventually people began to experience healing and miracles. Ugh. <laughs> he just opened the door. Here's the point. If there's a point, I guess here's a point. What we call history like on the macro level, the big things, the things that take up chapters in history books, big movements, cultural shifts, revolutions, things like that, they're made up of so many little micro moments. The big is always composed of the small. Tiny moments, tiny decisions, tiny yeses, tiny yeses. And I don't know what the Lord is calling you to do with this, this response. But I do know this, that, that he's calling us first to receive his declaration of love. Like, before you've done anything, he's saying. Before you've done anything, accomplished anything, I've loved you. I'm pleased by you. I delight in you. You have my attention, my affection, my heart. You have my approval. For some of us, for most of us, like it's a, it's a lifetime of believing that. It takes a lifetime to believe that. Because like in my heart, what I feel is surely you love me more though, Father, when I'm in ministry. Or like I'll speak as a priest, as a preacher, surely you love me more like when I've preached a really killer homily. When I've given a really great talk. When I've been really good in the confessional, surely like that's when you love me more. When I'm helping others know you, when I'm helping other people find freedom. He's like, no, no. I ripped the heavens open before he did anything. Like before, before he called me to the priesthood, like the heavens were ripped open at my baptism. The heavens were ripped open at your baptism. What could you do then? You could poop. That's about it. And you could breastfeed. You couldn't really even lift up your own head. You were so incapable. And he was so wildly in love with you. And not a single moment since then has he gotten one degree more in love with you. That's so challenging. Andre Bissette became a saint because he submitted himself to this little simple task. You know, the work of the Institute, 
is it's an Andre Bessette ministry. All that we've experienced here, like this isn't the promised land. This isn't, this isn't the glory. It's, yeah, it's little nuggets. Taste morsels from the banquet table. It's morsels of glory. But all that the Institute is doing, all that we've been doing this week is, like Christopher's just opening the door, like Andre Bissett, into the glory. <laughs> and in some ways, that's what we're invited to be. Doors just open and close. Door doesn't solve cancer. Door doesn't, you know, cook dinner. A door just opens and closes, and that's what we're called to be. In simplicity, doors that open for people to experience through us, transformed, humbly receiving the Father's love, little windows into the glory. Maybe do that.